You may be seated. Welcome to our Ash Wednesday service here at Neighborhood Christian Fellowship. Um, This service started for us only three years ago. Uh, The rest of the church has been doing this uh, for, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. And for us, it started as this growing conviction that that maybe uh, they've been on to something for all this time and we've been missing out. And uh, as we explored what Ash Wednesday could mean and what it means to us, just the, the importance of remembering our own sin, remembering our own mourning, remembering our own brokenness before God. It just seemed like a forgotten part of the church because so many times we want to come to church for that happy, optimistic, hands-raised feeling. But there's so many times when it feels like we're just being eaten on the inside, and that's a total lie. Some of us have been there before. And that's what Ash Wednesday is about. It's about remembering those times uh, uh, of, it's about humility. It's about remembering the time of sin. It's about, it's about transformation. It's about beginning a process. In the Bible, the number 40 uh, signifies these sort of long uh, periods, whether it's 40 years or 40 days. These long periods that bring about something new at the end. Jesus fasted for 40 days with the animals out in the wilderness. And he overcame the temptations of Satan. And he began his ministry after that. For Noah, it rained for 40 days. And and, and literally a whole new creation was born out of Noah's family. For that 40 days of toil and hardship. For 40 years... The Israelites wandered in the deserts, and then they finally, after 40 years, came into a new community. We're starting this period of 40 days because what lies ahead is a road to the cross, which is pain and heartache. But it's also the road to salvation because we know what happens three days after the cross, the empty tomb. And so it's a road that we walk. And I'll remind us of that a few different times of the evening. Well, tonight, one of the scriptures that I just haven't been able to get out of my mind, I, I have a Bible for each one of my kids. And I, every morning, I get a cup of coffee. Well, I get two cups of coffee, right? Uh, <laughs> no one does one cup of coffee, right? It's just, I did two cups of coffee, okay. But I, I, I have these journal Bibles for my kids, and I've already finished with one kid, and I'm on, I'm on Lucy's now, my second child, and I write notes to them through the scriptures every single morning um, because I'm trying to make you all look bad parent, like bad parents. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. I just, I, I'm totally, I know, you're, you're welcome. I, I'm totally joking. But, I, but a couple weeks ago, I got to the plagues of Egypt. And every now and then when I read the Bible just for my own personal edification, I get stuck on something and then I go back and read it again and read it again and read it again and read it again. And I, and I got stuck on this one plague and, because I knew Ash Wednesday was coming. And, and I think that there's something here. So I, I want to read to us this morning, Exodus uh, chapter 9, this evening, this morning. Um, we're, in a, we're in a time where I feel like we could identify the evening or morning, however I want it to be. Um, So (laughs) this evening, yes, we're normally here in the morning, folks. So when I'm standing on this stage, morning is in my mind. Okay. 
Um, so this, this evening, I want to get into Exodus chapter 9 a little bit. And if you don't know the story, let me give you a little bit of uh, background. Uh, the, the background is this. And that the, the book of Genesis is the very first book of the Bible, and that story ends with this man named Joseph. And Joseph had taken his family down, um, well, actually, he was sold into slavery, he, down to Egypt, but then he became the second in command of Egypt. He brought his family down because there was this great plague, um, well, plague, that's where we're on now, there was a great famine in all the land, and he brings his whole family there to get food. And the family ends up being fruitful and multiplying. Doing the very thing that God blessed the creation to do, to be fruitful and to multiply. And the family grew great and huge. And then you, you get to the book of Exodus, which is the very next, next book of the Bible. And there's this character, he's unnamed. We just know him by his title. His name is Pharaoh. And, and Pharaoh sees these people and they've become so great that they become afraid of them. Because what if these people rebel? They have such great numbers that what if they formed an army? What if they took the food supply? What if they did this? They could overtake Egypt. These are the Hebrew people. And and, and so Pharaoh says, we've got to do something about this. So they enslave the Hebrew people in a pretty pretty brutal form of oppression. And, and And it gets so bad that they say, Pharaoh says, you know what? I want to kill all the firstborn sons, because those firstborn sons, they're just going to rise up to rebel against me. He'd heard this prophecy coming. There's echoes in the future there of something coming in the future of what happened to Jesus. So Pharaoh tries to kill Moses, and Moses ends up in Pharaoh's court. It's kind of interesting. He lives for three periods of 40 in his life. The first 40 years, he lives in Pharaoh's court. And he tries to deliver his own people with his own way. He tries to, uh, he sees a guard to kill a Hebrew. And so he looks around, makes sure no one's around. And so he kills that guard. And he buries him in the sand. He's trying to deliver his own people the only way he knows how. And then when he's found out, he's got to flee. And so he goes for 40 years out into Midian. He meets his wife out there, out in the desert. and, And he meets God out in the desert, in this burning bush. And this burning bush says, Moses, I know that you're out here in exile. I know that you're out here rejected by your people. I know that you've run away, but I've got some big plans for you. I want you to go to the king of the world, Pharaoh, and tell him to let my people go. And so he does. So he goes there, and he's a little nervous, so he brings along his brother Aaron, and, and he tells him to let his people go, and God allows him to do all kinds of crazy signs and wonders, you know, to throw his staff down, and it becomes a snake, and pick it back up again. And then, then Pharaoh still doesn't let him go, so he turns the Nile into blood water, and all the fish die in it. And then there's all these plagues that plop up and, and, and really consume and harm the people, but Pharaoh's heart is still hard. And then we get to the plague number six. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of ashes from a furnace and have Moses throw them up in the air in front of Pharaoh. The ashes will turn to soot over the whole land of Egypt. It will cause skin sores that will break out into blisters on people and animals in the whole land. So they took ashes from the whole furnace. They stood up in front of Pharaoh. Moses threw the ash up in front of the air and it caused the skin sores and blisters to break out on people and the animals. The religious experts couldn't stand up to Moses because of the skin sores. Because their skins, their skin sores on the religious experts were on, on as well as the Egyptians. But the Lord made Pharaoh stubborn 
and Pharaoh wouldn't listen to them, just as the Lord had said to Moses. So it's this random little plague in there where Moses is standing before Pharaoh, and they probably would have been at, at Pharaoh's court, and it probably would have been overlooking the land. It would have been a high place. And he takes this, this you know, they, they've always got fires going, so he just takes this heap of ash and he just throws it up in the air. And it becomes this giant soot cloud that goes over the whole land and it falls, and wherever it lands, it creates these nasty, disgusting boils and skin sores on people and on animals. And what's interesting is that ash will become the symbol in the Bible uh, of this sort of grieving, of sort of understanding your own sin and the weight of it. Ash sort of becomes this symbol where people in later chapters of the Bible and later areas of the Bible, when they realize what they've done wrong, they'll, they'll put sackcloth on and they'll throw ashes on their body to say, I am just dirt, I am just dust. The reason why this picture was so compelling to me is because it's sort of like God took the, the sin of Pharaoh in a heap of ashes and he threw it up and it showed how it affected everybody else. Sometimes sin does that, doesn't it? What you and what I have done, sometimes it goes up like a heap of ashes into the air and it goes out into the whole you know, world and all of a sudden it affects other people and other people and other people. It has this chain domino effect, doesn't it? Sometimes it just affects us. But more often than not, it affects our family. It affects everyone else. But I want to show you more what God was doing in the whole scheme of things because God is being really, really creative here. There's these 10 plagues. And, and, and in the, the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, when God speaks creation into life, he speaks 10 times, 10 plagues, 10 times. And what God is doing here is saying, the sin of this land, Egypt, is sort of like this reverse, it's sort of like this anti-creation. So day one, God says, let there be light. Plague nine, there was total darkness. Day two, God said, let there be a dome in the middle of the waters to separate the water from each other. You know, it's literally separation of waters. Plague seven is hail bombs. I call them hail bombs because it said they were so big to just kill people and animals. And so the waters come crashing back down on the earth in plague seven. Day three, God said, let the waters under the sky come together in one place so that the dry land can appear. Plague two, frogs invade the dry land. Again, on day three, God said, let the earth grow plant life, plants yielding um, seeds and vegetation and fruits and all this sort of thing. And then plague eight was the locusts eating all of the vegetation. Day four, God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky and separate the light from the earth and the sky. And again, the plague of darkness. Day five, God said, let the waters swarm with living things and let the birds fly above the earth and the dome and the sky. So all these fish are in the waters. Plague one, all the fish die because of the blood water. Day five, and this is the seventh word that was spoken. It's interesting, God speaks a blessing on the seventh word, but that's a whole other sermon. Be fertile, be fertile and multiply and fill the waters and seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. In plague five, all the animals die. Day six, God said, let the earth produce every kind of living thing, livestock, crawling things, and wildlife. Plagues three, or four, three and four, lice and gnats, crawling things and insects now go wild and go crazy and destroy creation. Day six, 
God said, let us make humanity in our own image. And it's interesting. He, he says, let us make humanity. Uh, let us make the Hebrew word there is Adam. And then in, in plague six, the plague we just read, the boils, the boils went out to all Adam, all humanity. Day seven, God blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. This is the 10th word. And he's telling them, everything on heaven and earth is yours. But really what happened was when all these plagues piled up together, and especially the plague of the firstborn, the 10th plague affected the 10th word of God. So what's happening here, what I'm trying to show you is that what was happening before Pharaoh is that his sin is coming before God and is creating this anti-creation effect where God created this good and beautiful world, but because of Pharaoh's sin, all of his sin is just turning the world upside down. Sin has an effect on us, right? It has a tendency to do that, and, and, and sin has a tendency to turn our worlds inside out and upside down, and it's painful, and it's hard. When somebody does something against you, it, it hurts. When somebody says harsh words to you, they hurt. When somebody even unintentionally excludes you, that hurts. Sin hurts. It turns worlds upside down. I've seen before where harsh words have caused family members to not speak for years. I've seen before where, where maybe it's just an exclusion or something like that that's happened in a relationship that, that has led to all sorts of brokenness in families. I've seen before where, where fathers don't say I love you to their children and, and their children grow up and they're rebellious. And it's not just because they don't say I love you, but they don't show that I love you either. They're not really there. Sin has this sort of way of flipping what is right, what is good, what God intended and created to be great for us to just be completely flipped over, shaken around, and stirred up and broken in our lives. That's what sin does. And the scriptures say that we are all full of that kind of sin. That we have been living in this sort of state of rebellion before God. Whenever we choose our own way, whenever we say we know better than God, it, it, it's like somebody taking the, um, the ashes from the furnace of our life and throwing them up and seeing the ashes come down on us and boils popping up everywhere. Ash Wednesday is about remembering that sin and the effect of that sin and remembering that we all have that same problem of sin. We all have that same human tendency of brokenness, that own human tendency of rebellion. We all live in that state where we just want to go our own way and do our own thing and that we need a Savior that we need these 40 days to transform us. We need these 40 days to focus on Jesus to completely transform who we are. So I want to encourage you, maybe, I mean, maybe you want to fast with something, and, and that's a fine practice to do. I think it's a wonderful practice to do. Whether it's a food item or a social media or whatever it might be, maybe you want to fast. Don't do it for the glory of social media, your friends, or your family. Do it for the transformation of your soul. 
Maybe you want to, for the next 40 days, you want to give something up. But as you do give that up, focus on Jesus. Focus on that redemption. Focus on ways that he might want to transform you. Focus on what he might be saying to you. Focus on Jesus. He wants to take that sin and remove it from your life. Maybe you're here tonight and, and, and you're thinking, that sin, I, I know it. In fact, I've got something with somebody even right now. I've got a problem with somebody. I've got something that I need to bring up to somebody. I, I've just got that issue. I'm reminded of what Jesus said to his disciples when he's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. He said this, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First make things right with your brother or sister, then come back and offer your gift. In the context of what Jesus is talking about is, if you're going to the altar, and Jesus is talking about a Jewish altar, okay? You've got like your bird, your, your lamb, or your, your grain offering, whatever it is that you're bringing to the altar that day. It's for your forgiveness is why you're bringing that. It's for your own forgiveness before God. That's why you're bringing that to the altar. So what Jesus is saying is, before you go seek after your own forgiveness, I want to make sure that you're going to do this with others first. Because we know the truth of the matter is that we want forgiveness from God, but we want justice from others. So many times we want that. I want to encourage you. Jesus has this overabundance of forgiveness. Like, forgiveness that you can't even imagine. This love, like, when, when you're at your deepest, darkest point, this love for you that you can't even fathom. This is why Paul says, I, I pray that one day you'll know the depths, the width, the height of God's love for you. That's why Paul prays that. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to be willing to give forgiveness before you come to me and ask for it. That's the kind of heart I want. And so today, we're, we're going to, I want you to think about that. I don't want you to go leave and go, you know, forgive somebody right now. I mean, if you did that, that's fine. But, but what I want you to think about that for a moment, because I, after we do the, the imposition of the ashes, I'm going to ask Pastor Paul to come and lead us in a little exercise on forgiveness. Because where there's sin, God has this great, wonderful, rest, restorative role to play and his forgiveness. So as we get into this time of the imposition of ashes, I also want to say that it's also a reminder of our own mortality, that life is short, that life is fleeting, that one day you will die. And I'm reminded again of the first words that the serpent said to Eve, you will not surely die. He even was deceiving her right in the very beginning. But God reminds us that we were made out of the dust of the earth and to the dust we will return. And so maybe there's a moment in these 40 days and you're thinking, so God, maybe God brought somebody to mind for you tonight that you need to restore. Maybe that, that, that your sin, like you, you just got that picture of the ash being thrown in the air and it's sort of going over on everybody and you thought, that's me. When I said this, it was just like ash went out and covered other people with boils. It was, it was rough. I need to go restore that relationship. Maybe God's bringing that up for you tonight. 
I want to encourage you during these next 40 days to go work on the restoring those relationships because that's ultimately what God wants is a restoration of our interpersonal relationships so that we could all be restored into his relationship. So this evening, I want to close in a word of prayer. And then um, I want to invite you to come forward. And we do ashes one of two ways, however you decide.